0: Here's the question for today. Again, fantastic question that I was really excited to dig in and study for. Uh, So again, really appreciate you guys thinking of thoughtful questions and submitting those. And please continue to do so. Here's the question. How do I help a friend who's grown up around Christianity but is now doubting the existence of God? Um, What I want to do for this question is, is similar to last week, approach it in two parts. First of all, I want to talk about just how do you handle doubt like this personally? Because this is just a normal thing. Um, I, I want, and then after that, we'll talk about how might you help someone else who's, who's dealing with this. Uh, but I think first and foremost, it's important for us to ask this question for ourselves. What if I'm doubting the existence of God? What if I've been raised in Christianity in church my whole life but now I'm doubting kind of some fundamental things that I've always taken for granted let's start off with a question alright is it possible for a genuine Christian to doubt the existence of God what do you think okay, I'm seeing some heads shaking I'm seeing some heads nodding All right. I think it's a scary question because depending on whether or not the answer is yes or no, and you say yes or no, you are or aren't a (laughs) Christian. That's true. It is kind of a trap question, right? (laughs) Um, No, this isn't a trap question. You had your hand going up. I say you can. Okay. You want to elaborate? No. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, Rachel. Yeah. That's one of the things that comes to mind. Is like, mm-hmm. God even real? Like, my is on the Okay. Good. That's what I was thinking, by the way. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Grant. So, like, to doubt, yes, but, like, to give up on. Like, if it's a genuine okay. Christian. Hmm. Um, because, like, in Job, yeah. you can see that he's obviously a genuine Christian. Mm-hmm. But he doubts, and he's like, why have you abandoned me? Right. Yeah, okay, so Graham makes an interesting distinction. Doubting versus just giving up on it, right? Anyone else want to add to that? What do you think, Jocelyn? Well, I would say probably no, because, you know, if you're a genuine Christian, you know you know, God created the world, mm-hmm. and, you know, from the Bible, there's a bunch of sources from the Bible that proves God's existence. Sure. Now, now but that, I'd say those, those might be two different things. Um, you're describing... You're saying... There's not, there is plenty of reasons not to doubt, right? Does that necessarily mean that I'll never doubt? You will doubt. Right. You have reasons not to Exactly, yeah. So, so maybe this statement will um, help us. Doubt's different than unbelief. Would you agree with that? Yes. yes. Um, is it possible for a genuine Christian to not believe in God? No. No, obviously not. But I would say... It's very possible, if not pretty typical, for a genuine Christian to go through at least a season of their life where they are struggling with doubts regarding some fundamental things like even the existence of God. Now, doubting does not mean that there is, like Jocelyn pointed out, it doesn't mean that there is sufficient reason to doubt, but as Rachel pointed out, sometimes you just maybe it's just going through a really difficult time and you're just doubting everything. And, 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 and we, might, we could look at passage after passage of Scripture where, where those doubts are even written down in the Bible. Grant mentioned Job. Um, the psalmist said, God, why have you forsaken me? Where are you? Right? Um, so I'd say genuine Christians can most definitely doubt. But they cannot... A genuine Christian will not ultimately reject Completely, right? Psalm 14 says, The fool says in his heart, There is no God. That's different than someone saying, How do I know there is? You see the difference there? The, the, the first statement is a statement of confidence I know there's no God, no question, doesn't exist. Bible would say, It's kind of foolish, it's kind of prideful. But to doubt, to struggle with it, is, I would say, a common experience. I'm sure many in this room have doubted even the existence of God, um, either at some point in their life or even now. So what I want to do is talk about how do we navigate doubt, and then how do we help someone who's doubting? How do we navigate doubt personally? Well, first, I want to highlight some people in the Bible who doubted, because it's helpful to go to some examples in Scripture of people who doubted. To help us realize, okay, I'm not the only one, right? First one that comes to my mind is the father of the demon-possessed son. Father of the demon-possessed son. You can turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 9. And in verse 24, in this passage, someone comes and is asking Jesus' disciples to cast out a demon. His son is demon-possessed. And, uh, and his disciples couldn't do it. And so they bring the boy to Jesus. And Jesus asked the father in verse 21, how long has this been happening to him? He says, from childhood. Um, Jesus he says, I, you know, all things are possible for those who believe. And then in verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe. Help my unbelief. It's an incredible statement. Right in the same short sentence, he says, I believe. Help my unbelief an incredible picture of someone who has faith in Jesus, but at the same time is like, but God, help, help my doubts. Have you ever been there? I know I have. Who else in the Bible doubted? John the Baptist. Did you know that John the Baptist doubted? Was John the Baptist a pretty important person in the Bible? Yeah. He was, he was the forerunner the, of Jesus, the one who prepared the way for the Messiah, the Messiah. In, in Luke 7, verse 19, you know, you know John the Baptist is preaching. He, I mean, John the Baptist baptizes Jesus in the Jordan. And then he's imprisoned. And then in chapter 7, verse 18, the disciples of John reported all these things to him. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? That's incredible. John the Baptist was the guy that saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Was there any shed shadow of doubt in that statement? Absolutely not. He's like, There he is. There's the Messiah. And you know what? Then John the Baptist goes through some really difficult times. And things aren't panning out maybe the way he thought they were going to. And so he sends, from prison, he sends messengers to, to Jesus and to, and to ask him, are you really the Messiah? Or should I start looking for somebody else? It's incredible. This, this and, 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 and Jesus, right after that, first of all, he tells his disciples, go tell John what you're seeing, that, that he's, uh, that, that he's healed, that the blind are receiving their sight, and the lame walk, and the leopards are cleansed. And then John's messengers have gone. Jesus spoke to the people and said, What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go to see? A prophet. Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is whom, of whom it is written, Behold, I will send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, there is none greater than John the Baptist, this man, no one greater than John the Baptist, is same man who said, are you, "Are you the one who's to come, or should we look for another?" John the Baptist struggled with doubt. Who else struggled with doubt? Thomas, man, can you imagine like your official title being "doubting"? Your name, fill in the blank, like that's just what you're known for. But yeah, disciple of Jesus, Thomas doubted that Jesus rose from the dead. In John chapter 20, verse 24, they're in the upper room and this report has come to them that Jesus uh, has been seen alive. And verse 24 of John 20, now Thomas, one of the twelve called, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands in the mark, uh, see, if I see his hands In his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. I have to see it to believe it, Thomas says. And since I haven't seen it, I don't believe it. And eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen? Lest are those who have not seen, and yet have believed. Doubt is common. And and if you're struggling with doubt, if you're doubting some really fundamental things that maybe you've always assumed to be true, about God, the Bible, Christianity, how do you deal with that? Well, I want us to look first at at, at, uh, things that fuel doubt. And I want us to see how important it is that if you can determine what's fueling your doubt, then you are well on your way to addressing your doubt. There are three, I think, three main causes of doubt, or at least things that motivate doubt or fuel doubt. Where's the eraser? Ah, oh, here it is. Um, and I owe a lot of this to one of my professors uh, when I was in school who, who, who helped me work through um, what, what doubt is and how to deal with it. And he points out that there's often three um, causes for doubt or sources. Emotional, moral, and intellectual. So emotional be that that you know, you're doubting because of something difficult or or some emotion that you're feeling. Moral uh, could be a, um, um, a situation of right versus wrong. Um, intellectual meaning just you don't have the you, you want more proof or you want more um, you know, something doesn't make sense to you. Let me give you some examples of some of these. Sometimes it could be difficult trials, right? Um, Rachel, Rachel mentioned this in her answer right? that sometimes you're just going through a really difficult time and you're doubting everything and you ask yourself Man, where is God in all this and the question where is God can very easily lead to is he there at all sometimes an emotional uh, source of, of doubt can be a fear of doubt seeing doubt as a sin to be avoided rather than a question to be answered we run away from doubt rather than confronting it, and this causes doubt to grow even stronger. You can be like, man, I, I shouldn't doubt. And you fear it. Why am I even struggling with this question? I shouldn't struggle with this question. I've I went to Awana. I memorized all the verses. I shouldn't struggle with this question, but you are. And you're afraid of it. So you run away from it and you sweep it under the rug and you just pretend to, to, that it's not there and you move on. And all the while, that doubt grows stronger and stronger and stronger. Maybe another emotional source could be wanting a spiritual experience. Your experience from God of God is primarily intellectual. You wish you had some type of spiritual experience that could you could point to to prove the supernatural existence of God. Man, if God just wrote my name in the sky, if God revealed himself to me, if God showed up, then maybe I would not have this doubt. Another emotional source could be maybe hurt by hypocrisy. When, you, when those who, you, who claim to represent God in your life fail to reflect God's character, and when they betray your trust or hurt you, that experience can cause you to doubt even the God that these people claim to serve. Right? That can be a very difficult time. And, and, and the people closest to you, if, they, if, if there's hypocrisy there, then, then it might even lead to you doubting God. It could come from moral source. A couple ideas here. Sometimes it's a desire for moral freedom. Wishing there wasn't a God so that there isn't moral accountability. If you can get rid of the rule book, then you don't have to worry about following the rules. Um, that that may, maybe or maybe it's it 's a, a hidden sin that that you 've you 've been racked with guilt over and and instead of running to the Christ that can forgive you of your sin, you, you seek freedom from the lawgiver maybe maybe god just doesn 't exist and maybe if god didn 't exist then i wouldn 't have to worry about feeling guilty about this, and so this 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 moral source of, of, you know, I just can't stomach it. I just can't, I, or maybe I just can't come to the point where to believe that God would be against this sin. Why would God be against this sin? And, and, and maybe he's not even there. Or maybe the God I always thought existed doesn't exist. So it could have a moral source. It could be an intellectual, Right? Sometimes it's just curiosity. Sometimes it might come from unchallenged assumptions. It's natural for human beings to doubt an unchallenged claim. If you ask, if I give a statement, this is true, and you ask, well, why? If my response is, don't ask questions, what are you thinking in your head? It's not true. It's not true. He's hiding something. He's, He's... He's not telling me the whole truth. And so, unchallenged assumptions could actually lead to doubt. Or maybe, you know, the, the, the claim, the Bible is the word of God. Why? Because it is. Don't ask questions. And that might make you think, oh, oh man, maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe they don't have the answer. That's why they're just brushing off the question. Or, is there a God? Of course there is. Stop asking. Oh, maybe maybe there isn't. Right. So there's unchallenged assumptions that 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 might fuel doubt. If you have had doubts about the existence of God and the only answer you get is stop doubting, then those doubts are fueled even more. Maybe they're intriguing alternatives that you see. You may look at other lifestyles or religions or worldviews and think they think that they offer something that you're missing. Or maybe they seem more spiritual to you, or more happy, or something else. And you're like, hmm, maybe I should check into that. Another intellectual source might be bad theology. Maybe you're reacting, maybe your doubt's coming from a place where it's not so much against God, but it against a horrible teaching about God that you've always believed. In other words, you're actually doubting a particular teaching about God, not the god of the bible. But since that's all you know, then you're doubting the very existence of God. Sometimes this is bad theology that is that is the source of your doubt. Any any one of these, right? Emotional, moral, intellectual, we we listed off some 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 possible things that fuel doubt. Is there anything you would add to this? Other other ways in which we might Sources of doubt, yeah. Okay, yeah. Um, that's, that's, that was Satan's strategy in the garden, right? He, he uttered lies that caused Eve to doubt even God's motives for things, right? Anything else? What, what, what might be some other things that fuel doubt in our lives? Prolonged mm-hmm. trials. Yeah, prolonged ones, ones that keep, ones that keep on going. Um, I think immediately of Job there, right? Where it's it reached a point. He started off saying, Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. But then over time, he's like, Wow, is this ever going to end? Anything else? Yeah. Pride. Pride. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and we'll look at a passage that points to that. Um, sometimes, and I, I, I probably put that under the, the moral source, right? Because uh, if we're honest, it's like, I don't, I want to be in charge. Of my life, I don't like the idea of someone else being in charge of my life. And the idea here is that there's no one-size-fits-all answer to doubt. If you want to know how to navigate your doubt, you have to investigate exactly what's fueling that doubt. Because that's going to impact how you approach it. There's a lot of different reasons for why we might doubt. From emotional to moral to intellectual. So how do we approach it? And I say, just what we just... Describing, number one, determine the source. Again, uh, a, lot this, a lot of this comes from um, what my professor taught me. If you're doubting the existence of God, ask yourself why. Okay? Why am I doubting it? What's it coming from? Is it coming from an emotional difficulty? Um, a trial or something like that? Is it coming from moral difficulty? Is it, is it, are, are you struggling with, with, with a sin? And, uh, and that's making you question the whole thing. Or is it intellectual difficulty? You just have had some unanswered questions that you've always wondered about. There's no trial going on. There's no struggle. It's just, you're just curious. Find the source. Finding the source will help you know how to address it. And a helpful way to determine the source would be to ask this question. Okay? If God didn't exist, what tension in my life would seem to be solved if god didn't exist what tension in my life would seem to be solved and i say seemed because the absence of god doesn't solve anything but but in our perception what would what tension would be solved for example if it's an emotional source if you're going through a difficult trial and that's what's really fueling this doubt then if God didn't exist, what tension would be solved in that situation? Maybe you'd be, well, I no longer have to deal with the thought of God causing this pain. Yes? The question that you ask? If God, does, if God didn't exist, what tension in my life would seem to be solved? Yes. That one? Okay. Um, Or if it's a moral source. If there's no God, well, I no longer have to worry about offending God. An intellectual source. If there's no God, I can just focus on what I can see or what I can understand. So ask yourself that question. I'm doubting God's existence. Okay, if God didn't exist, what tension would seem to be solved in your life? That might help you determine the source of your doubt. Okay, so determine the source. What should you do next? Ask this question. What would no longer make sense if there was no God? Because this is something we've often failed to do in terms of our doubts. We fail to consider what if if the possibility of there being no God actually was true? What would no longer make sense? What would fall apart? Another another way of phrasing this would be, consider the alternative. You believe in God. You're doubting God. Okay, consider the alternative. There's no God. What could happen then? Remember that for every Christian raised in church who is doubting their faith, there's an atheist raised in the world doubting their unbelief. And you're laying awake at night, and you're like, what if there's no God? And somewhere else, there's an atheist laying in his bed at night looking up and saying, What if there is a God? (laughs) And I'm living my life apart from him, and I'm living life like there is no God and there's no accountability, but what if there is? That's even more troubling. Doubt isn't solved by going over to the other side, it's just the question changes. Right? The only for the atheist, the only question more troubling than what if there's no God is the question, what if there is a God? So entertain that question. Man, if my doubts came true, what would no longer make sense? I'd I'd argue suffering would no longer make sense. Right and wrong would no longer make sense. Uh, Truth would no longer make sense. So many things would no longer make sense, but we don't even think about that. We're, 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 We're just overcome by our doubt. But entertain that question. What would no longer make sense if there's no God? And then next, consider who you're listening to. Consider who you're listening to. Who do you listen to the most? Um, how much intake are you getting? Where is most of your information intake coming from? Um, if there's not much scripture, then it's the least surprising thing in the world that you're doubting. Now, I'm not saying that, you, that you, it's impossible to doubt if you read scripture. You can be reading the Bible every day and still struggle with doubt. So, so I'm not saying that if you're doubting, you're obviously not reading your Bible. But I am saying that if you are not reading your Bible, you probably are struggling with doubt. In Psalm 73, verses 16 and 17, the whole psalm, I'd encourage you to read it sometime, Psalm 73. The, The author of that psalm is struggling with doubt. And he says, I've always known this to be true but I'm seeing the world around me and I'm seeing how the wicked are prospering and it doesn't make sense to me. And I've almost slipped. I'm almost given up on it. I, like it's not making sense to me anymore. And then he says this in verses 16 and 17. He says, "When I thought, But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. I couldn't figure it out, in other words. I couldn't solve this problem until I went into the sanctuary of God. It was until I went into God's presence and I, and I, and I saw things clearly, things made sense. If you go, if your intake is, if, is is going to the word, if you're getting more of the word, less of there will be less doubts that spring up in your life. I'm not saying they will they'll be gone completely, but you have to at least consider who are you listening to? Consider your intake of information. If most of it's coming just from the world, then then you're gonna start thinking like there is no God. If most of the instruction you're getting is from people that believe there is no God, then you'll probably act as if there is no god. And I, but on an encouraging note, remember this. Remember that doubt can lead to deeper faith. Doubt can lead to deeper faith. Sometimes it's actually the process of going through these times of struggle of being unsure of 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 Considering the source of where's my doubt coming from? Why am I thinking this? And going through this whole process that actually leads to a deeper, more personal faith. I think sometimes a lot of reasons why we doubt, especially if we've been raised in Christianity, is because we've just always assumed it to be true and we actually haven't really thought about it ourselves. And when you've never thought about something yourself, of course you're going to doubt it. And so often it happens when you become a teenager and you start thinking about things, you start asking questions, you're like, man, I've never thought about this myself. I've never thought about why there is a God. I've never thought about, do I really, am I really sure the Bible is true? Let me tell you, there are some incredible answers for those doubts. And I'm not stay, standing up here and saying, oh yeah, no one can know for sure. Not even close to saying that. There's every reason to believe that God is real, that God exists. But sometimes we just haven't thought through things for ourselves, And so we doubt. And through that process of doubting, we might actually, if we, instead of running from it, we face it, it can lead to deeper faith. Emotional doubt can lead to a deeper knowledge of how God works through suffering. Sometimes we doubt God because we have a misconception of how God works with suffering. Or maybe we think, God's children shouldn't suffer, or, or, or why is there even suffering in the world? It's a misunderstanding of how God works in this world, and so going through this could actually give you a clear understanding of how God works. Moral doubt can lead to a more unclear understanding of the slavery of sin and the freedom that comes from following God's will. Intellectual doubt can lead to a stronger confidence in the reality of God's existence by breaking down false views about Him that you may have. In other words, this process really can help you from throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Do you know what that phrase means? Throw the baby out with the bathwater? It's a weird phrase, granted. <laughs> All right? The idea is, it's the idea of overreacting. Right? The water's dirty. I'm going to toss out the dirty water. And I'm going to throw the baby right out with it. Okay? It's, a, it's an overreaction. No, you went too far. Sometimes we, we doubt God's existence because because we, maybe there's some dirty water there. We, we, we have a misunderstanding. We, we're going through trials. We, we're, we have bad theology in our lives. And, and instead of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, well, I'm, because I'm doubting this, I'm just going to throw the whole thing out. I'm going to throw God out and everything with it. This process actually can help you fine-tune and solidify what the truth is for yourself from God's Word. So remember that doubt can lead to deeper faith. And then finally, Talk to people. Talk to people. You think you're the only one who struggled with doubt? You know who else has struggled with doubt? I have. I've struggled with doubt in high school. I've struggled with doubt in college and after college. There's times in my life where I've sat down and be like, man, like... The, the, the perspective, like, like maybe you hear like a, an atheist philosopher or something who just gives a really compelling argument for there being no God. And it kind of freaks you out. And you're like, whoa, do I believe it? I don't know. Do I? And, 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 and you doubt. I've doubted. Okay, you're not the only one. And so talk to somebody. Talk to a mature believer. Talk to someone who, who seems to be following Christ and say, you know what, I've been doubting with this. I've been struggling with this question. And let them talk you through some things. It's okay to do that. It's good to do that. The worst thing you can do is just keep it to yourself. Because most likely that person you're talking to has also struggled with doubt themselves. And it's through this process you can come to a stronger, more bedrock confidence in who God is. So this is how I think you should approach doubt in your life. Determine the source. Ask that question. Uh, consider, consider the alternative. Consider who you're listening to. Remember that doubt can lead to deeper faith. And talk to people. And how how would you help the doubter? Let's say you're like, you no, I'm, I'm, I'm 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 confident that God is, is real. I'm confident that, that that the Bible is true. But I have a friend who's really struggling with this doubt, and and they've heard all the right answers, and they know all of the all of the all of the Bible. They've read it multiple times. How do we help that person? Let me point you to a verse in Jude. Verses 20-22 says, But you, beloved, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life, and have mercy on those who doubt. There's two a couple things in this verse. First of all, it says, you know, build yourself up in your most holy faith. That means that means know what you believe, be confident in, in what you know what your faith is. And with those who are doubting, it says, "Judge those who doubt." right? Nope. It says, "Have mercy on the one who doubts. Why have mercy on the one who doubts? Because you've probably doubted too. <laughs> Because that's the, what weak human beings do. So, how do you have mercy on the one who doubts? I'd say, just similar, just repeating like, the process we just went through. Help them find the source of their doubts. Um, don't, you know, if someone you know, a friend or a relative is like, I'm really struggling with the existence of God. Don't just jump into all of your arguments for why God exists. That's not your first step. Your first step is understanding the circumstances surrounding the doubt. See if you can help them determine which one of these three it's coming from. Are they going through a tough time right now? And as you ask questions, you're like, how could a God allow this to happen? Or how could a God be against this way of life? Or how could a God be real and evolution be, 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 you know, be, be true? And they're wrestling between creation and evolution, right? Help them by asking questions. Figure out which source is it coming from. Are they going through any trials currently? Are they struggling with a particular sin? Have they been taught an incorrect view of God? Help them find the source. And then as you find, help them find the source, give them help that matches their struggle. For example, you know, sometimes, not always, if, if the source is emotional, that maybe they're going through a really difficult trial, then you don't help that person by just giving them a bunch of intellectual arguments why God exists. It would probably be more effective if you appoint them to how God approaches his suffering children in scripture. Because while they say, I'm, I'm wondering if God is real, what they're really struggling with is the difficult trial that they're going through. And they're having a hard time matching up the pain of this trial and, and the existence of God. And so you point them to Scripture and say, this is how God uses Scripture. This is how God uses suffering. That, that The Bible never dodges suffering. The Bible never says that suffering will never happen. Actually, the Bible redeems suffering. And Jesus entered our suffering and took on our weakness and took on our pain so that he could offer us newness of life. That, that it's, it's comfort that they need in that moment. Or if someone's struggling with a sin and they're doubting God because of that, you probably won't help with a bunch of arguments. Instead, you might point them to maybe a passage like 2 Peter 2.19, talking about false teachers, that they promise them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption for whatever overcomes a person to that which is he is enslaved. Maybe this person is just believing the lie that if I get rid of God, I can be free. And you show him actually Freedom is in Christ. That 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 that, that there is slavery to sin. Living a life for yourself is actually enslaving. It destroys, and God wants to save us from that. If someone's struggling with an intellectual doubt, curiosity, then then yeah, then show them the overwhelming evidence for God God's existence. Because let me tell you, it is overwhelming. We doubt, but like Justin mentioned at the beginning there's actually not many good, compelling reasons to doubt. That's not discounting trials, or struggles, or curiosity. But the evidence is overwhelming. And I just want to close by just maybe pointing to that. How do I know that God exists? And I'm going to give you like a super simplistic path toward that. There's way more than this. But hopefully... Just a super simplistic thing to, maybe if you just have a little bit of doubt, this might help you in in the moment. What takes someone from atheism to a belief in a God? That there is no God to, there is a God. Scripture tells us, actually. It's in Romans chapter 1, verses 19 through 20. Romans chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, it says this. I'll start in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain, obvious, clear to them. Why is it plain and clear and obvious? Because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived. Ever since the creation of the world, how? In the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. What's the saying? That is God's created world, the universe, the intricacy of creation all around you, leaves you without any excuse to believe that there is no God. It is clear as day. Now, I think, I think the advent of the theory of evolution has been one of the most damaging things for the Christian because it has allowed people to overlook the most glaring and obvious proof for God's existence. And you know what? As science progresses, it becomes harder to disbelieve God than it is to believe there is a God. When Darwin came up with a the theory of evolution, he had no clue how the cell worked. He thought it was just this mysterious thing. And as we go into the microscopic level and we see the powerhouse that it is, it becomes more and more obvious. This was designed. It is irrefutable. It is so complex. It is so overwhelming. The evidence is absolutely everywhere. We're like, why doesn't God just prove that he exists? And God's like, I made like a whole universe. It's all right, right here around you. Look at it, right? So, but, but the Bible, this doesn't take you all the way. Creation doesn't take you all the way. It just simply that it takes you to the place where you should know there is a God. It says it shows you his eternal power and his Godhead. How do you go from the place of believing that there's a belief in a God to a belief in the God? How do you go to believing in the God of the Bible? I'll just say this really short. And each one of these points could be a whole lesson in and of itself. Maybe we'll do it sometime. There's no other Christian or, or religion remotely close to Christianity Every other religion is is so predictable, it's, it's funny. Like, here's all the things you have to do. Um, if you try really hard, you'll, you'll get to paradise or heaven. And each one is is just so predictable. Yep, just do these things. Work hard, try hard, do this, be good. You'll get there. And Christianity is like, you can't. You're a sinner. You can't help yourself. God had to come down, become a man, rescue you, and deliver you, and forgive you, and all everything else is how do you reach God? Christianity is how God reached you. No other worldview, faith like Christianity. There's no other book remotely close to the Bible. There's only three books that claim to be revelation from God. The old the, the Torah, the J- Jewish Bible, which is half of the Bible. There is the Quran, and there's the Christian scriptures, Old and New Testament. Those are only three books that claim to be from God. That the followers claim to be from God. You just compare those three. There is one that blows the rest out of the water. That and again, I, could, I I actually taught a lesson a while back about how we can know for sure that the Bible is true, is the word of God, and we can go after evidence after evidence after evidence, and then there's no other faith that has a faith that has a more historically verifiable and reliable basis than the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It, it's it is it is fascinating how hard it is to refute. The, the, the witness and the testimony concerning the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. It is one of the most historically verified facts that there is. If, when you look at the, cons- the amount of witnesses, what the disciples had to go through, to, to uh, they were willing to die for it. I could go on and on and on for how compelling that is. And again, this isn't alleviating every doubt, but at least helps you realize, okay, I'm not just picking a religion out of thin air, going with it, and hoping it's the right one. Like no, this is this is the right one <laughs> and, and and so many things point to it. Um, if you're doubting, just just take stock and, and determine the source where is it coming from um, and, and follow those steps that we talked through and then if you want to help someone just help them go through that same process of, of finding the source help giving them help that matches that struggle and uh, and know if you're struggling man is this the right how do I know that I've picked the right religion just just Remember that it is, uh, when, you compare, when you compare the options, there's not many good alternatives out there, uh, least of which would be denying God's existence entirely. Um, and and if, if you are struggling with doubt, talk to someone. I, like I said, I, I've, I've had to work through this too. Talk to me. I'd love, love to have the conversation. Um, and, uh, and hopefully, Lord willing, it'll help you go to a place of deeper faith. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time together. We thank you for um, giving us your word that we can run to. Help us to stay in it. Help us to stay rooted in it. Um, and Lord, for anyone that is struggling with those doubts, um, help them, give them wisdom. Give them, give them the discernment to know how to navigate that um, so that you might bring them out to a place of greater confidence and faith. Uh, in your son's name we pray. Amen.